Welcome to the Halloween Comics Corner. <laughs> Welcome to the Comics yeah. Corner. <laughs> I am John. Welcome to our Comics Corner. Um, today, as always, we have the uh, the wonderful writer, the amazing person, Mr. Matthew Klein. Matthew, say hello. I just don't know if we can top that opening, John. I feel like we just we peaked in the first 30 seconds of this. Ah, but we did thing. not. Because we have yet to no? introduce our our special guest star. Who the do we have? Amazingly brilliant writer, the all-around wonderful human being, one of my favorite people in this world, Vita Ayala. Welcome, Vita. Yay. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank so you so much for joining here. us. Yeah, um, okay, so before we get into the horror comics, B, you want to tell us a little bit about your comics background and what you can tell us about what you are working on and what you have worked on and all that jazz? Yeah, sure. Uh, in terms of being what, like a reader or like a, and then a writer or what? A, I would what say both. Because okay. uh, for everyone who's joining us on Comics Corner, um, everybody um, everybody's always looking for great stuff to read. And since everything that you do is amazing, because you're amazing. <laughs> this is true. I don't, have enough, I don't have enough money to pay you for this, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, we, well, comics and me go way back. Uh, I've been reading comics for longer than I've been able to actually read written language. Uh, you know, uh, some of my first comics were Wonder Woman and X-Men and, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate in that I've been able to also write the characters that I love. Um, we, though, right, Matt and John and I go back, what, like a decade now? I mean, pretty close, because uh, the three wow. of us, we we all worked in a comic book shop in Forbidden Planet yep. in Manhattan. Uh, we were, as we used to say, in the trenches. Um <laughs> In the trenches, by the wall, and the gaming station, man. That was what it was all about. And it actually might even be longer than that, because I started there in 2002. John. Either 2002 or 2003. Have we known each other for almost 20 years? I think so, which is amazing, because neither of us looks a day over 27. That's Correct. very true. Um, I, I also, and I started there in 2011. So I'm I'm closer to a decade. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah, we go way back. Uh, working yeah. like y'all said in the trenches, working in retail. I worked comics retail for on and off for ten years. Uh, and during that time, I got to meet wonderful people like Matt and like John and like other Matthews. There were a lot of Matthews. Oh, Matthew uh, Rosenberg as well, <laughs> who, who works with you over there at Marvel. Um, and I, uh, I'm <laughs> so excited for New Mutants, Vita. I'm so excited. Oh. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I feel like everyone that worked at Forbidden Planet had aspirations of working in comics, and a, a lot of us have done that. Like, y'all have and do work 
for Valiant, right? Yes, uh, that is very true. Uh, I'm the, the VP of sales and marketing there. John is senior sales manager and merchandise manager. Yeah, I, so, I've always, uh, I, we got to tell Jeff to put up an alumni section on the website. Yeah. Like there really should be. I know there should be, there should be like something, some end cap that's like from the people who used to work here. Yeah. Which is of everybody's stuff. That's there. a great, it's good merchandising. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I've been reading comics since I was, I don't know, like eight and then worked in comics retail and then realized that I could, uh, I, I, for a very long time thought that you couldn't write comics if you didn't draw because, uh, I read a lot of manga <laughs> as a teenager and tended to be one name on there. Uh, but then when I started working at Forbidden Planet, I realized, oh no, there's a whole nother credit in Western comics for just writers, which is great. Because when I try and draw, I accidentally summon demons, which I'm sure we'll get into uh, as we talk more about these books. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, I've been a you know, lifelong comics fan. And then um, I started writing comics professionally, what did I say, five plus years ago now? Mm -hmm. um, and I've written uh, for, uh, like y'all said, for, for Marvel. Currently, I'm writing a few things for Marvel. I've written for DC. Um, I have written for Valiant. <laughs> I was uh, blessed enough to be able to write the first Livewire solo series of Valiant. Mm -hmm. So very proud of that. Um, got to work with a lot of amazing people. And then I've also written some creator-owned stuff. And my creator-owned stuff tends to skew towards horror comics or speculative fiction. Right. So I wrote uh, a horror book called The Wilds, which is a post-apocalyptic uh, tale. But the zombies are beautiful instead of like gross and, and decaying. Um, and I wrote uh, a modern, or I guess contemporary retelling of the Orpheus and Eurydice myth. Uh, and it takes place in the New York City subway system, which is actually Hades for anyone that has been on it. So uh, <laughs> anyway, that's that's me. That's what I, I, I continue to work. I'm working on New Mutants currently um, and Children of the Atom for Marvel and uh, Wonder Woman, Dark Multiverse, War of the Gods for DC. <laughs> It's a big title. It's a lot. It's a lot to say. Book. It's a big story <laughs> going on. So it's a big one. Um, um. Yes. Now, V, just to let you know, uh, magic is my favorite New Mutant. I, I'm not mm. saying. You know, I'm not saying that you need to to put her front and center in every issue, but I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Well, um, magic I magic has a lot of as a hell of a following, uh, yeah. pun intended. Yeah, you know, uh, very funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all X Men have quite the following. It's true. No matter which one, they yeah. all have a small, at least a a moderate to large size cult following, um, which is uh, delightful. So, but yes, I love magic. Uh, I I can promise you that she will definitely be in each issue of Minions that are right. Well, I can't promise I, she'll be in every issue, but most of them. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm working on it. Right? I'm doing my best. <laughs> I'll try not to flub it up. Uh, I've also written uh, horror for Marvel. I did um, a Morbius miniseries that came out last year. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. No, was it last year or this year? I don't know. I Time's remember. a flat circle. Yeah, and I haven't been in my apartment in like nine months, so I don't know anymore. And I also want to introduce our extra, extra special guest star today. We have the beep boop guy. We have the, the man who makes us. He's down it's here. Me. I'm sorry. We have the beep boop guy. 
who makes us sound wonderful and amazing, brings um, <clears throat> Matthew's amazing words and my flat script by Mr. Josh nice. Wilson. Nice. Welcome. Welcome. I put, on my, I put on my favorite black t-shirt for this. There you go. <laughs> It'd be my favorite goth <laughs> myself. I purposely wore white tonight. Just, just. Um, I was, have you guys ever seen me not in a black t-shirt? Like it's pretty much just all. I Considering I that we take show. screen caps of all of our weekly meetings, the answer is no. Yeah. I've never seen you. I. It's always no, no. some combination of a comfy sweater and a black t-shirt. Like that's just go. my. That's just my look. Like, um, but hello. If if Mr. Rogers oh, was well a sound done. designer, it would be. Oh yeah! Wow, I'm touched by that. I'm moved by that. That's nice. That's nice. Well, I a beautiful day so, in the Cowboys corner. So, it's true. It's a beautiful day for in the neighborhood, and it's a beautiful day to share some scary stories. So, all of us kind of recommended stuff that we had wanted to read, and all of us did not read everything, but at least two of us did. So there'll be a lot of conversations going on. Um, and I, okay, so let us start with the one that freaked me out that Vita recommended. That I was like, this is genius. How did I not know about this before? Infidel. So um, I don't have it to hold up. Oh, V's got it. Okay. Um, so the. Yeah, I'll hold it up. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, so let's start. I know I'm going to butcher the author's name, so I am so sorry, and my deepest, deepest apologies for destroying your name. Um, it is Pornsak Pichot, and I butchered it, and I'm so sorry, um, but what I can say is go to your local comic immediately and buy this book. It is so good. You want to read this book on Halloween night. Um, okay. I'm going to line up the, for it. Like, it's so good. Um, Vita, do you want to start off? Yeah. I, to, for me, I read a lot of comics. It's my homework <laughs> and also a passion of mine. Um, and I love horror stuff. I've, I've always loved horror stuff. We were always getting into horror movies and stuff as little kids when we should not have. And that's just messed up my brain for my whole life. Um, and so I'm pretty jaded. Um, I will watch a horror movie like this because I don't like jump scares. But I'm, I, most of the time I know what's going to happen in a horror, you know, story or, I, you know, especially in a book or a comic book. I'm, I'm usually pretty hard to get a rise out of. And this is one of the scariest horror books that I've ever, a horror comics that I've ever read. Um, and it is also remarkably sad. Good job. <laughs> um, I I chose this book because, um, and and you know, this is something that uh, the person who wrote the introduction to the book, uh, Ms. Dew, uh, gets into. But this book, what it does is it is about something. Um, it is about racism. Is about xenophobia. It's about kind of. Uh, mistrust and and kind of ugliness that comes with those kinds of things. Um, it is very much a political book, but it's not, it's, I mean, it's not a secret, but it's not super overt. What it does is it shows you how ugly those things are by, by making those the things that are the horror. Um, I think that 
it's right on time. Like it's just a very prescient book. It also um, feels timeless. So, you know, it's a ghost story. Ghost stories are, you know, the ghosts are always a metaphor, right? And so having the ghost be a metaphor for these horrible things as opposed to like a secret of, uh, of another kind was really smart. Um, and also the art in this book, I don't want to like spoil too much, but screw it. Let's just go. Uh, I don't know what the stream is rated or whatever, but like. Oh, we are explicit. Go full set. All right, cool. Okay. I'm just letting y'all know there's going to be some horrific images. Um, but the, the art in this is absolutely incredible, both the line work and the colors. Um, and let me run and see. Aaron Campbell on, on line art and Jose Villa Rubia on colors. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. I What they achieve with, it's not a mute, super muted palette, but it's mostly muted with pops of red. What they achieve together is is something that you rarely see. It's almost like one single person made this whole book. Like that's what it feels like to me. Um, I'm sorry, I'm getting into it on the comic side and not the spooky side. Uh, it's super spooky. Uh, the main character is this this woman who is moved into this apartment um, with her, her fiance and his child and his mother. Um, and she is black and a Muslim and the others are white <laughs> uh, and the mother is a little old fashioned. Um, and it's about kind of the tensions that rise in this building where a tragedy has happened. Uh, supposedly a quote unquote terrorist attack happened in this building. So everyone is, is super on edge. Um, that's the setup. I don't want to spoil too much. I don't know how you want to discuss the rest of yeah, it. I, should, I always forget to do this at the beginning and I'm sorry, <coughs> excuse me. We try not to spoil things, but we can't help it because we get to so enthusiastic talking about the comics that we love. So just be aware, just beware. Spoilers may happen. They don't happen on purpose, but we do it. And I'm so sorry. But Well, one, one I will say too. Give about a warning of like there. spoiler coming, you know. Yeah, but... yeah, just across the bottom. But I also, yeah, I... that, that siren noise. I still need to make sure. <laughs> the kill bill like um, <laughs> One of the things that I do love about this book, um, I had read it previously, um, and then I reread it again just to prepare for this. And it doesn't matter if you know what happens or not. And that's to me a truly a, a hallmark of very good horror. It's not about the surprise necessarily. What it is about is the journey that these characters go through. And and reading it again, it was just as thing to me as the first time. Maybe even more so because now I, I I knew basically what happened, so I could look into the details and you know it was, it's really moving and and you know i found myself tearing up in certain parts i loved um the intersection of politics and horror because we always there kind of something happened i think in 80s horror um back when i was growing up back in my mid-30s back in the 80s um where horror became synonymous with slasher which was just big fun gore kind of thing. And we forget that horror has its roots in really in politics in a way. I mean, so much of early horror is all about the repression of sexuality and the repression of sexual desire and romance. And, uh, you know, later on- and fear of uh, the other, fear of- uh, Yes, uh, absolutely. Class, fear of the other, yeah. 
Um, but I loved this. And you can read it, you know, sort of as a separation of, well, there's a political statement and then there's the horror story and they sort of intersect and they sort of weave. Or you can actually go, no, the horror is the the ghosts are what's inside of us that we may not even realize is there until we get to, spoiler alert, until we get to a point where we're like, oh, I said that and that was racist or sexist or homophobic or transphobic. We don't realize those things until right. they come out, which I was, oh man. Now I will also say it, yes, there is a little bent to it, but it freaked the crap out of me. <laughs> I was like, Good. okay, I'm turning light on in my bedroom. I'm walking back into the living room and I'm <laughs> going to read it there with the lights on because Papa not going to read this in bed in the dark. Uh -uh. They did this amazing thing, which mild spoiler alert, I guess, where you, there are times, like you said, where you're not really like you forget what the ghosts represent and then they appear to remind you. Um, and so you, there's this ca not casual, but like this conversation that a bunch of people are having and it, it starts to take this, you know, racist turn. And then there's, this horrid face. And one of the things that I found really smart and really interesting is that the people that can see the face are the people that are affected by, by the racism. Um, so I don't know, like there are, or, or the people that are, you know, that are objects of fear often, I guess. So like there are two black Muslim characters that are at the forefront of the, of the story. And both of them can see, just full on see the ghosts everywhere, but there's another, guy who who is like brown um and he he starts to see them like he starts to note he's like wait that what this was something something's wrong here like i don't know what's going on and i thought that was so interesting um and the 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 grandmother character right the white lady the older yeah. white lady um she starts to see things too when and i think it's revelations to her that she is wrong in the moment like she and so she starts to see these faces and i was like oh that's that's maybe one of the smartest things I've ever seen, <laughs> like yeah. a visual like representation of horror. Um, to me, like this is up there for me with like Get Out as some of the best contemporary horror that we have. Yes, definitely. I will say the thing that um, this did for one of the things that this did for me, and um, in a really brilliant and amazing way, was it made your home scary. Because we always we have a tendency to think that once we close the door and we lock it, or you don't lock it if you're in a you know a, a, maybe you don't lock it because you're in the middle of the woods or something like that, um, or you lock it you. because <laughs> yeah. you're like me and you're carrying grocery bags inside and then you don't realize for three days that you didn't lock your front door and you're like I'm an idiot, but yeah oh I've done that before John um, John yeah. please. It's, it's sheer luck that I haven't been murdered in my sleep. It's sheer luck. But that's all it is. But we have, you know, so again, which is sort of this very traditional trope of we think our homes are safe until something invades it, something comes in. Oh, so good. And the, and the call is coming from inside the house, right? Because it's, it's in everyone in the story. You know, all of these things are are a part of them. And that's oh so good. I also, I think it was really smart to set it in a city because mm -hmm. to even further add to that, 
you know, we think of horrors, stories in cities to be those slasher movies or, or like a monster or something sure. like that. We don't see as many cool haunted apartment like stories as we should. I think that there's, there's a lot more history to cities than people, than people want to realize, right? Because it's not just that there are lots of people on top of each other, but like, you know, New York City is, uh, is a very, very old city. It has what, the oldest subway system in the country in, on the no. continent maybe like there's all kinds of stuff here that we forget about and we build on top of it and we build on top of it. And so to see that kind of brought to the forefront in, in this book, I was like, Oh, this is continue to tap this. <laughs> well, also the contrast too, because so much, there's so many horror stories that you think of happen in the suburbs or they happen remotely, you know, just, and it's, it's really refreshing and cool to see a book that goes against the usual trend of, of using the horror. And it's like, no, you can still feel remote and isolated in a city of millions of people. And that's really cool. And, right. and that, and there's a really cool commentary there on the experience of even being in a crowd of people, but feeling like the other or feeling ostracized. And that's really interesting to, to play in where it's like, you, you think you're not alone because you're surrounded by people, but you're still can easily be isolated there. Yeah, and I think they did a, a very good with humanizing the main character and with it. She felt very real in a way that sometimes protagonists don't feel, I think, in horror movies, especially just because it's go time at all times. Sure. This is a yeah. very cognitive story as well. And so we really get into like things that make her doubt, you know, how she waffles back and forth, how she ends up defending people that are not good to her because we do that sometimes when we're just trying to die. Um, so, yeah, I thought this was awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah that point right where it's like usually the the star of the horror film is some some kind of like pure idealized like a more of a symbol or an archetype than an actual person right and it's really it's really cool to see no 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 just just because you're the protagonist in a horror film you're being chased by ghosts what have you doesn't mean you are not also completely well-rounded and have the same sort of and, and they're not flaws for the sake of plot, right? They're, they're flaws of character. They're not flaws of circumstance. They, and they that's sound, really it, interesting. It feels real. Um, yes. It feels real. And they, it's a very clean story. Like, it's not very long. It's a single, no. you know, yeah. but yeah. they do so much work. Um, well, no, it's it, efficient, as the best horror should be. It's a very, like, tightly constructed, like, great horror is still part of a formula. You can't see it and you can't feel it. Because it's so well executed. Look at Ano you know, and it's bring the Jordan Peele into it. Like it's a very tight, very well and evocative. It's, it's and yeah, and this was definitely up there with that. So I um I, oh, but, no, go. Oh, I was gonna say I had when I was in undergrad, I I took the I I had mentioned I think in the last one when we were doing witches, um I read a lot of horror, a lot of horror books, and I had a professor on horror who went through the whole thing and he had this oh hold on we just went we just went down hold on our stream just our stream just dropped it hates me oh, oh no. guys we blew it up we just we got so into it we just we took this whole thing down i, I don't think oh, you guys should look at this as like being censored by twitch but <laughs> error uh, two thousands. that sounds we're back. and we're back oh no uh, we have sorry it was the ghosts it was the ghosts. It was Listen, the stream uh, should be back. a little hot. Hang on. Hang on. Oh. Are, you, are you streaming the UR, Josh? 
Yeah. Okay. Now we're back up. Okay. All right. Very good. Sorry. <laughs> we're back up. Okay. Welcome um, back. Sorry about that. Sorry. I'm sorry, Josh. Go ahead. Um, and he, so he was a, he mostly focused on horror, but he basically took the, he did the classic like college professor, like took the whole board and he mm. wrote out all of the tropes. He wrote three main tropes of fiction, of sci-fi and of horror and he wrote them out and then he wrote this whole detailed notes thing taking up the entire whiteboard or blackboard or whatever it was and then he basically started circling all of the like descriptions and he was like they're all the same thing in a different order and he like just looked at him and he was like it's fiction is science fiction is horror um and it's also like leads into my favorite my favorite anecdote which i've said a million times is horror and comedy are only different in their editing like true um like it's the same sort of thing which really intrigues me like in just how things are constructed yes which actually uh, bring to our second because i want to make sure we have a lot of books about um and <laughs> i don't want to give any list for this one yeah we have a long <laughs> reading list i don't want to give anything short tripped um don't worry if you follow us on twitter the superhero podcast uh we will list so you can go to your local comic shop um, and make sure that you purchase please support your local comic shops the ten dollars that you spend there means more to them than you will ever realize i know that sounds i know that sounds odd but trust me all of us have worked retail we know that that 10 bucks that you spend on a halloween graphic novel means more to that store than you realize anyway so moving in a different ghost direction with mr josh shall we do a discussion of dead boy detectives yeah okay so completely different horror story um right and i would actually not call this horror per se i would call this a ghost story so if you're one of those people who um like me is not a huge fan of spending three nights awake like i did after the first time i saw halloween on tv when i was nine years old literally (laughs) three nights i did not sleep I don't know how I'm surviving to this day, but um, but Dead Boy Detectives. Um, so these characters were spun off from the Sandman series by Neil Gaiman um, into their own book. And I, I just have to say, I partially picked up this book because I'm a huge fan of like the teenage detective, like Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, Nancy Drew's my jam, right. um, Trixie Belden right. and Judy Bolt and all of those characters. Josh, you read it. Did you enjoy it? Did I make a good recommendation for you? I did enjoy it a lot. So I'm, I think we'll get into, cause there was a Sandman one on here and I think I'll speak more to like my, my deep love of like, I'm a big fan of like postmodernish style stuff of like just totally shattering forms of writing, um, which I've always loved about Sandman, but we'll get into that in a sec. Like since this is a spinoff, it's, it was really cool. Cause it's, it wasn't scary. Like, per se like it's it's eerie it's weird like when you read it you're like like especially like volume one like i caught myself in volume one you're like it has these weird timelines going on at once um where oh (laughs) oh v just gotta go plug your computer in oh um but um, okay it has this weird like it's three timelines going on at once, which is like very Neil Gaiman-ish. It's like, when is it? And the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> like, it very much plays into that like confusion style of horror, 
like there was a um i compare it best to there was a i can't now i'm not gonna be able to remember the name but there was a thing by china mieville if you know him mm-hmm. he wrote a like a poker themed horror story and like you just don't know what's going on the whole time and that's like um that's kind of how like i felt about this like as you're going through like especially in episode like in volume one i mean like um oh welcome back um and um she back oh they back sorry um (laughs) and um but they were like um when i'm reading i'm like oh this guy's like this kid is like eight like 1900s like little little british school boy this other one's like mm-hmm. modern school boy and they get killed and like then there's this new girl it's very confused but it's like hardy boys with the ultimate amount of confusion you know what i mean yeah. which i really this like. yeah again this is one of those horror books that i would recommend if you don't necessarily want a lot of horror if you want to be creeped out but you don't want to be you, but you don't want to go to bed like this. <laughs> if you this is one of those books. For horror, yeah. This is a, a, an excellent read. Yeah. Yes. I'll tell you what. Matthew, I watched, have you uh, read Dead Boy Detectives? I did. I didn't get to reread it for, for this, but I read it when it was coming out. Um, and it just, it stuck with me. It was just so much fun and very enjoyable. And I'm a big fan of the characterization. Uh, like, I enjoy the kind of disorientation that it goes because. I, I like I like stories that challenge me as a reader. Um, a lot of times, uh, I like you know not knowing what's going on, and and this one really kind of plays with perspective and timeline in a way that's very engaging. But the disorientation feels intentional, not as a like consequence of of shoddy storytelling, but you right. you're sticking with it because you feel like you're still heading in a direction that's going to make sense and that's going to have payoff which it does which is very cool um i yeah this is one of those things that it's the weird thing for me i don't know b or matthew if you felt this way working in a comic store but the thing for me is there were always books that i sort of that i loved but then i would sort of forget about because for some reason they weren't right in front of my face sure. or on my radar and then well, it would well, there's take, just so many comics too it's there just are, so many yeah. choices yeah um but it would it one of those things that i would forget to recommend until someone was like oh i want something for my you know my 12 year old my 13 year old scary but not too scary i'm like oh of course yeah yeah um, magic was like that for me too like i would always like just it would it always slip my brain for some reason. Somebody's like, oh, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. And I'm like, oh, you need to read this. Sorry. So I, <laughs> so I totally feel I'm you. The same way with, mostly with music. Like there are so many bands where people are like, oh, this is what I like. This is what I like. And I'm like, think about the bands that I like listen. I, I've listened to, the, you know, hundreds of hours of. And then I'm just like, totally forget about them. Like I was, uh, I was the same sort of thing. Like I was in a meeting a couple days ago art and like a it was with a musician and they were like i like this this and this and this and i get to the end and i like they were talking about how they have like emo influences like they really love fallout boy and they really love bb bridgers and stuff like that and i'm like cool and i'm sitting there and like right at the end like we're about to end the meeting and i go have you listened to pretty odd by panic at the disco it's an emo band that made a folk album 
and I'm like, it's like the one. It's my favorite album of all time. I've listened to it thousands of times, and it's literally like, it's old Fallout or old Panic at the Disco. It's their second album, and it's something yeah. that everybody totally sleeps on. And I'm like, I feel the same way. I did the same thing with books, but I thought like, you know, those sort of things that you forget about are so interesting. And okay, I'm gonna. You oh, need actually, to listen to the movie. Me, it's very good. Let me stop the conversation for two seconds because um, I want to go in a different direction. Um, yeah. Favorite music Steer. to listen to yeah. while reading horror? Ooh. I have a playlist. I have a couple of playlists. So uh, I don't listen to music that much. So it's it's I don't generally listen to music while I'm while I'm reading. Okay. I, yeah. All right. I don't listen when I read either. I so I, I just listen to music all the time. Um, and one of my favorite albums is Blonde by Roxy Music. And uh, I was on a plane and I broke my good headphones and I was like despondent. And the, the tragedy, yeah, it was awful. Um, and I was reading Silence of the Lambs at the time and I was like, oh no, like I need something to block out the you know, everybody talking so I can do this. And the stewardess had like those like two dollar headphones that they sell, mm-hmm. gave me one. And it was the worst quality headphones that I've ever experienced in my life, but it made the album unbelievably scary. Like it was tinny and far away and kind of slow for some reason. And the bass added, it didn't sound like bass. Like it added like this other element to it. It sounded like someone had taken the album and made it into a horror movie like soundtrack. And so I'm it's reading Science of the Lambs. Like, it. Oh, it was incredible. So like, Usually I have a playlist, but that was like the perfect. One of the trick, one of the tricks that I do while John is still frozen. Oh, there he goes. Uh, one of the tricks I do when I'm making, uh, when I'm making a lot of music, and I did it when we did. This tiny little cassette player, mm. and I would record all of my music to this crappy cassette player and then re-record it back into my computer and just Genius. destroy it. And it, it was, is. It was such a vibe. It's such a vibe. It's such a sound. Like And like, I did it for a, like a class project when I was doing grad school stuff. And like, everybody was like, how did you get that distortion? And I was like, I spent $3 on a Walkman. <laughs> And like, well, well, I, well, I think you know, we we talked a little bit about this with witches, and I think it it bears repeating too. It's just like horror; so much of it is the sound. You know, it's it's the it's the music, it's the sound cues, it's the the absence of sound, the use of it, the distortion. And I think that's one of the challenges that's so interesting when you're doing horror literature or horror comics, where you don't have that element that is used and leaned on so much. In, well, in popular like, horror that you see. And like a really good example of it is our, to, to plug ourselves, our new series, The Question. Um, one of the things I struggled with really hard, especially in the episode that we'll release tomorrow, uh, that mm. you'll get to. Uh, part two. Part two. Oh, where'd he go? Ooh, we lost um, again. We'll keep it rolling. Yeah, we'll keep it rolling. Um, one of the things that was really hard to do is we get to, yeah. the, the baddie gets revealed. He's back. Um, Sorry. Uh, uh, you're good. Um, it's fine. The, the, the baddie gets revealed, and you're like, this is a spooky moment. This is like, that That series doesn't really have any like truly spooky moments, you know what I mean? But this was like one of those where you're like, oh, you need to feel like your heart beating out of your chest. You need to be 
scared. And I had no way in my own like conception of music to not do it in a modern horror way. Like there are like where like modern horror music, if you listen to it, it distorts, it glitches, and it pumps so much low frequency sound into your ears that like oh, yeah. you're right. like, oh, it's like vibrating my head, what's going on? And I was right. like, I have a way around like I don't have a way around that. It's so interesting that I was like, because if I go with like it has an older feel to it and like if I went with the older feel, you'd instantly be like, oh, it's just psycho. Like it's the which I already did a I already wrote a scene that quotes that music, like <laughs> in that series. And so like like actually the scene like in the previous episode quotes psycho. And like Yeah. It's the same thing with horror. Like it's so interesting when I read books because I love horror books how they do it without sound or like when it's an actual book, how they do it without visuals. Like it's such and, an interesting thing. There's like this weird and, thing in, 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 in comics and, and prose, right. For horror where it's like, you don't control the pacing. The reader does. <laughs> so like right. you can't even force them to experience things at your speed that you think is optimal for, whatever you're doing. And so like, I'm also very interested in that. Uh, like the extra complication of that on top of not having sound is really fascinating to me. But I think that like the stuff that we're talking about today, I think it succeeds. Um, oh, absolutely. I think, I think, you know, Infidel definitely succeeds in that. I think, uh, you know, when we get to Afterlife with Archie, I think it does it brilliantly um, there as well. And, and what's so cool is that the, the artwork you know, the, the thing you have to work with for pacing is the page turn. Like, that's really the biggest thing. That's where you get your jump scare. That's where you, you know, is, is you've got to turn that page and have that full page or double page spread, you know, hit you uh, the way that you would in terms of film editing. And, you know, and that's the ah, scream moment, right? But I think about that too, right? Like with, with direct market comics with single issues, you have to think about mm -hmm. ads. You have to think about yeah. Other things that change the pacing, and then when it becomes, you know, if it's collected into a graphic novel, all that pagination is going to change, and so you have to think about right. that. Too. And it's just like uh, the fact that any of these things succeed is a miracle. <laughs> well, and it's, and it's a testament to the storytelling. Yes, I, it's, I, I it's a real testament to the storytelling and to understanding and to understanding the genre and understanding the emotional core at any given moment of where you are in the storytelling, right? Like, for sure. Yeah, I think that well, you have to I, lean on that real hard. Yeah, you have to really hard. You, you, have to lean on, you have to lean on the characters. You have to really lean on, on who you're following, not just what you're following in, in these terms. And it's like reading a good Stephen King novel, right? It, it's like you're, you're invested in who the people are, not just in what the, what the trope is and what the horror uh, method is. Yeah, I think one of the for me the things like everything that we talked about, and we'll move into the next one in, in a in a hot minute. Um, but the thing that fascinates me is that the the artist who's the cinematographer, um, it's yes, the art is beautiful, and yes, the pictures are pretty, but it's so much more about creating this atmosphere of discomfort and fear, which is really hard to do when you're looking at at a page that's static but is moving you know it's it's easy well, to be unsettled if you're looking at an autopsy photo um, and, and that's a credit to coloring you know yeah. and and that's that's where the colorist really comes in is you know the 
you, you could frame the story with the artwork, right? But the colorist is the one that's going to add the tone and add the mood to it and, and that atmosphere and the saturation and, and like that. And again, it's that beautiful collaboration that you would in a film uh, just on the page. And then the letterer is your sound effects, right? And gives you that, that, that kind of, you know, those moments of, of where it is and how it affects you. Yeah, so we'll let's, get into uh, that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I was going to do what you're going to do because I, I know that in, in the two Archie ones, uh, they play with word balloons a lot, which I thought Very, was really cool. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about Afterlife with Archie. Um, oh, Matthew, have, you have, oh, you have the other, you have the other one. V, which one do you have? I have comicsology. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fair. Um, I, had, I had that for Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, so. so yeah, we're going to kind of talk about two at once. So just to give you a little right. back, you will be able to find this volume anywhere that comics are sold um, at your local comic shop, for example. Just saying. Don't know if I've said that enough. Sabrina, however, has not been collected, so you will need to find this in your individual issues. It is. Wait, Sabrina got collected? Did I completely yeah, miss it? Yeah, they did a collection, like a, a, a hard cover and a soft cover when the show yes. dropped. Yeah, oh, okay. For, for the so show, then. yeah, it came out. Okay, so then here's the thing about Afterlife with Archie. The first five issues are collected. Yeah, that's and then the, the rest you have to get in single format. Because they never Sorry, finished it. I forgot about the hardcover. Um, they did not finish it. That does not I mean that why. it's not worth a read. Right. You um, absolutely should still read this book. Like this is this is a 10 out of 10 read, man. Like this is yeah. this is absolutely worth your time. And you don't need to know anything about Archie. Like I remember yeah. picking this up in the store when it first came out. I was not an Archie kid. I really knew only very, very cursory. And I like was so hooked on this thing from issue one and ran all the way through it. So do not feel like you need to know anything about the source material to get really freaked out by this yeah and oh, if you are thinking <laughs> yeah i mean if you are an archie fan it's even better because there's so much so many deep yeah. cuts you are thinking this is like a scary version like riverdale is oh buckle up buttercup that's no. not what this is at all this is <laughs> hell on earth and archie land this um, is george Matthew, romero horror but like i know also... that you love it like Lovecraftian, it's so bonkers. They were like, you know what we're gonna do? Cross every horror like subgenre. We're just gonna take everything and just smash it together and make this delicious. And it works. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. It's also oh. funny too. Like, yeah. uh, Infidel is not funny. <laughs> like, there's <laughs> nothing funny about that book. There's no. But like, I think that a like. Horror, usually for me, if there isn't some humor in it, it's it's a no. And I don't just mean mm -hmm. like, you know, like yuck yucks, like those kind of like ridiculous like jokes. Sure. But I mean, there's to cut the tension of horror usually needs some comedy, right? Like it makes the, yes. the horror the sharper. And this is really funny. Like I just was like, I was oh, laughing and then I turned the page and I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, and that's that's the that's the brilliance, right? It kind of lulls you in with a moment of sanity to to laugh at it, and then all of a sudden, it just pulls your heartstrings, and and suddenly Vegas is Vegas. Uh, Vegas. Spoiler Vegas. alert! <laughs> spoiler alert! If you if you have a dog or a pet oh, that 
you you have a deep love for and you have raised since you got them and you know they would do anything for you, this book is going to gut you in the best way I love way how possible. of all the deaths in the book that he chooses to focus on first, what does he choose? The dog. Why? <laughs> the important one. I, it's I will a noble death. <laughs> it is. Oh, it's it, so, is. it is. God, it broke my heart. Um, everyone is in danger in this, though. I feel like it is a yes. spoiler, but also like there's no one is safe. Like it's no, it look, get, it's a zombie apocalypse. It's a zombie zombie apocalypse that in the first, and this is just the first five pages, so I'm not spoiling much, but it's just the first five pages, hot dog, who is Jughead's dog, is killed in an accident. He takes her to Sabrina in um in Greendale to uh find a way to uh, necromance the dog, and she does, but he comes back as a zombie. And that uh, bites Jughead for the first victim, and that sets off literally the zombie apocalypse. So it's like Frankenweenie, but sad. Yes, like Frankenweenie, but horribly sad. <laughs> horribly sad, um, but also thrilling. Thrilling. This is a this is like true thriller horror in a lot of ways. Um, and they burn. And so many different ideas so quickly so i was like oh th this one issue could have been five issues like this you know there's oh, no fat. like no they just go they're just like yeah, yeah that's great all right next thing next thing next thing like, oh and and the panel construction on some of these where it's literally like you you know you see an entire history of a relationship on one page and then three pages later it all pays off yes but it doesn't feel truncated even though it is only in the span of a few pages which is incredibly hard to do and incredibly impressive to do it over and over and over again and again that's why for new readers oh, you can just jump right so in good. there are these like splash pages that are quotes and oh genius so like in, they're, they're kind of like your chapter breaks right they're your chapter titles almost in a lot of ways it's like each one is intro by a great quote that isn't actually in the in the issue that you're reading either it's totally different new content which is also yeah. super cool. And that sort of detail is so wonderful. Um, and they're yeah. so evocative. It's ambitious. It's an ambitious. Super ambitious. Chill, chilling, chilling uh, tales. God. I'm, I'm after lifing with Archie. Sabrina, I know, yeah. Smushing it all together. They're both really ambitious and really big. And they did not end. Like, they didn't get to finish. Um, but there are so many threads that they were kind of like, I don't care. Like, I'm screw it. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to seed all this cool, weird you know stuff and then if i get to it i get to it and they are two independent series they're not yes. as related you can do no. one without the other but, don't worry about but, it but but the sabrina does do something very clever because it's the same writer on both it's two different art teams yes. so the same writer on both um where there's a moment in chilling adventures where she looks at spoiler ish nothing in particular but she looks at jughead in in the present and goes there's another world where this thing happens and it like yes. references that and i was like oh very clever what a good way so to this, cross this over was when archie archie essentially launched an entire horror imprint with afterlife with archie and then mm -hmm. chilling of sabrina was the follow-up to it whereas afterlife with archie is set kind of present day and it takes place beginning with like a high school massacre sort of feel and then a trap house horror story. Like it hits all those tropes. And then they change it up completely for Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, 
which is a 60s period piece, which yeah. is so much about classism, gender roles, um, youth revolt, uh, coming of age spree, and they do it in a very different but very affecting uh, manner about Sabrina at the moment when she is turning 16 and has to give herself over to the Dark Lord as her aunts did and all of her sense before, but it's complicated with, you know, the fact that she is only half a, what they would call like a half breed in there, I think, is, is the derogatory term that they use to describe her because she has a mortal mother and not of pure blood. But again, that that 60s social commentary of the other, of not belonging, um, it, it really comes through in a very, very cool way. Um, it is so, also... Um, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. go, go, go. I was just going to say, it's also... While the Netflix series is based on it, if you have watched the Netflix series, this this is a whole other plate of potatoes. So it is. Don't You're worry about being like, oh, I've seen the story already. You haven't. <laughs> you have no. no. It's very different. It's much more rugged. Um, super rugged. Uh, both of these are very violent. Uh, very like hard departures from Archie. Like yes. that was, I guess, their mission statement. Where they were just like, let's go. Let's just all the blood on the wall. Um, but it's also too, like, it's, it's so weird to read this story. Cause like Sabrina's aunts, if you're a Sabrina person, I, I, I liked Archie and Sabrina um, growing up. They're funny, like witchy hags where you're just like, oh, yeah. like that's fun. But here they're terrifying, but yeah. she knows it. It's not like, there's a big reveal and she's like, oh my God, they're monstrous. She's like, nope, those are my aunts. Like, there they are. <laughs> they're pretty gnarly. There's a scene towards the beginning where like they are coming at, and I think it's Afterlife with Archie, where it's like they find out that Sabrina has resurrected Hot Dog and oh, yeah. they're like hovering over her bed and they are terrified. Like the gore is full on. It's just it's like, no, I didn't mean it though. He loved the dog. And she's like very matter of fact. I think it's even more rugged in Chilling Adventures where there are corpses. Like, I don't, they never explain it. And so, of course, my mind immediately was like, oh, like, I wonder. But it feels like, like, Aunt Zelda has literal autopsy scars. Like, mm -hmm. she just has the why. And I was like, they they give themselves over to the Dark Lords. So they kind of live for a very long time, if not forever. And I'm like, did they, are they all, do you just putrefy then? Like, do you become, a like, a corpse when you sign your soul over to the big, the big goat man, which is depicted as a big goat man. <laughs> goat bros. These two were very interesting to me. Um, I, I should say, if you have any um, questions, comments, drop them in the, the chat. I think that's what it's called on Twitch. I'm not a computer person, which I think I just revealed. But also the fact, using earlier, I think I also revealed that. Um, but for me, okay, because everything goes back to Wonder Woman in comics. So I'm going to quote a Wonder Woman line where she says, you know, all tragedy, all tragedies are born of purity, be it in intent or emotion. These two to me hew the closest to a tragedy because they're both, both things that are the sort of inciting incidents in both Chilling Adventures and Afterlife happen because of pure love. And Man, this is one of those things where you want to, wow, does love go wrong here? 
And they oh, play with that a lot of in Afterlife, too, where yeah. it's there's yeah. lots of weird, messed up love things that are going on, not just pure, but like also twisted, right? Like the pure love of 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 uh, Jughead for his dog. That's the purest love that there can be is is someone for their for their. And then for their the year. first blotch of love between Sabrina and Harvey, which goes like freakily very wrong. wrong. <laughs> very, but also yeah. too like. Like Reggie and and Midge, like his obsession, yeah, his and like obsession. And there's like the blossoms, which have always been a nightmare to me, and like just, spoiler alert, I, I they go say, they go in a very interesting way with the blossoms. There, they make they go text on a lot of subtext all of a sudden. And I will say that Josie and the Pussycats issue. Oh, so good! Wow, 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 <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Wow. It's wow. Amazing. Wow. It's wow, Josh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We were wow. I, I do want to move wow. into um I do want to move into Sandman the Furies. Now, this is one I have not reread recently. I don't think I've read this for like eight or nine years, but V and Josh both read it. Matthew, did oh, you get a chance to read it? I this is I, this is the one I didn't get a chance to read out of the whole okay. file. So I would we love it if you guys could talk about it. And again, sort of, you know, tragedy. I thought we were tragedy. it was nights. Oh, did we? Okay. Oh, no. uh, crossed wires here. We were going to do Endless Nights and we switched it to Furies. There was an email, but nope. it was a very quick email. So. Oh, no. Oh, no. We can do both. <laughs> we can do both. I love um, I'd read Endless Nights before. I freaking love that one. It's a beautiful. I'm such did a... you read it again for this? Yeah. I'm All such right. a, I'm such a big fan of like. Neil Gaiman's either super hit or miss for me, but like usually within his own works, like I'm very like. I'm not always the biggest fan of like. Sometimes I feel like he just needs to get on with it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's like you get so confused that I'm like. <laughs> and I understand that later I'm like, oh, this scene was important because he he sort of does the thing like I think of like I read American Gods and it took two readings through um to like fully be like oh this is really clever but um like the first time I was like why are we just sitting in a house um but I I love like Neil Gaiman does some really cool like Sandman I've always loved Sandman it's like my favorite art aesthetic like and like I'm a big fan of like any art or media form that just completely destroys form like that's been my thing recently like the destruction of form is so cool to me like in whether it's like music that like is really weird like you can find really weird trends in music that do that or like poetry there's some like really weird poetry ones and then like the one that killed me in endless nights was the whole section on despair yeah it, yeah yeah it's insane. Like, it's just wild when I read it. Like, the other, like, the one with Dream is very, like, standard Sandman. You're like, oh, look, here are our concepts, ideals, and loves, and large structures embodied as people <laughs> and things. Look, here is a giant fantastical thing that we walk around, which I love. Very standard. And then you get to despair, and it literally forms one as, like, a job application or, like, a college exam. Like, it's just one Truly page. a nightmare. <laughs> and, uh, honestly, shit I'm scared of. Are you kidding me? 
Um, (laughs) For me, it's a tax form. You're just like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) As a freelancer, it's a nightmare. Um, Welcome to the 1099. Understood. Um, File quarterly. Oh my god. Um, So is that your favorite of the of the collection? Is the despair? Despair is my. I really like this, and always when I read Neil Gaiman, it's always I have to go back and re. So I read the whole thing and then i go back and read the first section again because like the first section was death and like i think he does this on purpose too where it's the most normal like yes absolutely very, like you like if you're not paying attention if you're not in the gaming zone um like <laughs> you that's a new t-shirt i'm in the game the game right zone. There. i'm in the gaming zone that's it like, all of us we gotta get t-shirts for it if you're not in the game and zone, you're just like, oh, there's this creepy lady at the beginning. <laughs> and then like you move on.com. Like and so like once you like so then I like read through the whole thing, but like once you get like despair was my absolute favorite, just in like I really enjoy short form stuff. Like short form mm-hmm. media like really intrigues me and like I also appreciate like really long form things that like have a bunch of short form, like a great Almost example. vignettes. The, the best example I can give is like, if you know, like there's a old 1900s composer, Gustav Mahler, great dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, his sixth symphony has a, it used like symphonies have a very specific form that they follow. Like if you listen to a classical symphony, there's like a set form, like slow, fast, slow, fast, sort of ish thing. And his follows the story, like his were always pretty thematic, so it would like follow a person through something. Um, and in this, in his sixth symphony, the guy goes and listens to a symphony, and there's a whole symphony contained within the sixth symphony. Oh, that's a, amazing! A full length, forty minute symphony. In, that's incredible. In this, and like, it's the coolest thing. Like, and you don't realize, like, nobody tells you that, and then like you'll go read it somewhere and like all the conductors who have ever conducted Mahler and like orchestra members are like, Oh yeah, of course. Like it just launches right back into another symphony. And then we just pick up where we left off and he continues on his story. Like he was so moved by ideas of this thing. And you're like, so like, that's genius in the stuff with despair where you like, you get, what is it? Eight, nine, something like that. Little. Yeah. Vignettes. Um, and they're just, none of the characters have names. You never see despair distinctly. It is so much more like dream is like dream. At least dream for me was always the hardest one to understand. And it was the first, like, I feel like anybody who knows like Sandman, like Sandman or Neil Gaiman is like, oh, dream is where you like you, you jump in when he's the hardest one to sort of grasp. And like, um, you get to like, you get to despair and there's no, you don't, see her distinctly um you don't fully understand like she's just described in all of the classic horror creep you out ways like and then it's like hey here are a bunch of faceless people have no names they barely have a story behind them um and yet you are going to be so bummed out by each of them (laughs) (laughs) i feel like like, though that's that's Despair for me is also that that's actually one of the things that I was going to talk about in the in the Furies because you see despair at one point. But if you yeah. don't know who it is, 
then it means almost nothing to you. You're just like, that's a creepy yeah. image. Holy God. But it's like, I think good horror is like, like that despair story, right? Where you're just like, I have almost no context, but I am moved. And I am moved in a dark way. <laughs> like in a way that it's is rough. So, it's so weird. It's one of those things that... I'm not going to say Neil Gaiman uses it as I because I love he's a masterful writer. I don't think it's necessarily a crutch of his writing that he his most powerful parts are always the parts that have the most context, the most understanding in real life. So like, dream is the hardest to understand because if you can try and explain a dream to somebody, like the core idea of a dream, you can't really do that. Where as opposed to like something like despair, I think you can explain quite simply. And it's not an easy thing to write about, but I think the way that he is able to not have a through line per se, like he has the through line of all these people are in despair and embodied by this idea. But other than that, there are no connections through that section. Like all of Gaiman's other stuff has these massive through lines where like something at the beginning gets never touched again. And then at the very end, um, it's like the mechanic the game tries to teach you throughout and then in the boss fight finally uses it like that's like <laughs> i feel like too with the with with despair it's it's like it's teasing you to imagine your feeling of despair it's not yeah. giving you i it's like that it's just it. so yeah it's just like oh how can i you know how can i exactly touch the part of anyone who reads this in a way that gives them full despair and and for it's me like, that hey, go, go ahead oh i was gonna say i was like it's like it's basically going like hey you have definitely felt this at some point and i'm right. gonna give you eight chances to find it yeah like, it, it, it but it's also too like you know like the 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 that old chestnut of your imagination is so much more it can provide you with so much more horror than just something concrete that is shown to you and i feel right. like in those in those stories too with despair it's just like i'm just going to i'm going to give you enough to start but then you're just going to go you're just going to you're going to flash back to every moment that you were in horrible despair that's what i'm going to do to you which is a nightmare so i think that that is also a very well, good choice. and then i i just love especially with like just with Endless Nights is, I mean, mainly because it was written earlier in Game and Land. Um, like, yeah, <laughs> uh, like it was, it was written so much earlier that it is very much like his greatest hits of how he writes things. Like it makes me, cause I, you know, like I read most of Sandman before I read American Gods and then I read American mm -hmm. Gods a handful of times. And then I came back and read this now, like I read American Gods like last year or something like that. And, but when I read, the first one death again i had a new perspective on it because i was because it was like this old aristocrat is performing some weird unheard of ritual and i'm like oh of course he i, I was like we're in a i was like is the ritual gonna be explained no is there no. time here anymore no and you know what you just gotta roll with it like like they, it's like quiet and i'm a big fan of like I think I explained this to John when I was explaining my comic likes. I'm a big fan of really dark, really spooky, super emo, philosophical things, just in general. Like, um, I'm like, may the... I suggest this to you then? <laughs> I think oh, you will very I, much I, like I, this. I would love to get us to the Furies a little bit so yeah, that we can it. make sure we, we touch on everything. 
Um, I'll give I'll give like a very short truncated thing because I think that the discussion of endless nights. Yeah, we can go until nine thirty ish, like um, however long we want to go. Okay. Uh, So touching on it, I mean, I feel like speaking of Gaiman's greatest hits, and this is Mike Carey and John Bolton, so it's not Gaiman, but I feel like they they were like let's let's dive deep into kind of how he does things and what he does. Um, and I'm just going to flash the picture of despair uh, that you get in this, because there's a lot of guest stars that you never really, there are no, there's no context for them. So right. you truly, this is actually the full title is the Sandman presents the furies. And it is just like, we're going to take aspects of the Sandman universe and we're going to craft a narrative that is going to make you sad. It's a huge bummer bum town, but in the best ways. Um, <laughs> And it's about a, a mother who has lost her child. Uh, so the new dream is, is you know, came from this kid, Daniel. And this is what the story of his mother after he ascended. But to her, it might as well be died. Um, so that's the start of this story. Um, and it is, it is rugged. The art is almost photorealistic. It's, it's that kind of more rendered painterly photorealistic style. And it's Yeah, I remember the... Okay. The first time I read it, I was like, "What is, is this, John Bolton?" <laughs> it was. I was like, "This, yeah, it is." Yeah, I'm sorry, I interrupted. I'm sorry, me. No, not at all. I mean, you're right. It's, it's. I remember reading this for the first time and and just being like, "I don't think I've seen anything like this before." That wasn't just straight up a photograph. You know, mm. like I'd seen like comics that were, you know, almost like collages of photographs, which I think is also very interesting. Um, but this plays a lot with. It doesn't just play with, but it it centers around a lot of Greek tragedy tropes as well, which there is that through line of despair and horror in all of Greek tragedy. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> they, they did it real well. The, the yeah. Greeks did it real well. Um, and this is one, too, where they they call upon this myth mythos this mythology that Gaiman has kind of set up but they use it in the way that we would use our shared knowledge of something to write something in another universe so like if we were writing Star Wars we would ha we have this basic shared knowledge even if you've never seen Star Wars you kind of know what right. Star Wars is um, and so you can tell a story in that universe that makes sense um, mm -hmm. yeah. did that but with, with, with Sandman so everything is sad and dark and uh and depressing um but also hopeful i think that's one of the things that gaiman does a lot even when he's doing some of his darker stuff is there has to be a, a a ray of light in the dark um and that's really important to me when i'm reading or watching horror or listening or however i'm intaking my horror um if it is just completely flat out hopeless i i'm out like what's the point of being there um, sure. This is going to be a super controversial take, um, and I will preface it by saying I really like the thing up until this point. But uh, I used to watch The Walking Dead, I like the book I just read through, right? But like I, I watched the show, and there was a point, spoiler alert, for something like a decade ago or whatever, uh, where they kill, they they kill what's her name, Beth, the blonde, the very delightful blonde, right? She mm -hmm. she's just the hope of the show. You're like, oh, all of the positive stuff is instantiated in this one character. She's the only character who's like, we're going to make it. And then they freaking murder her. And I was like, there's nothing left. There is no hope left. I'm out. <laughs> like, absolutely well, not. Yeah, I, I think in a lot of modern horror, they take horror as nihilism. 
And it's like, you know, those are very different things. I can't, I know? can't be in horror. Like I, I can't, I don't, to me, horror is not just like a cautionary tale. I think that that is a useful way to, to engage with horror. Like that's true. But also sure. I think it's, it's talking about journeys that we actually go through. Right. Like it's using metaphor, but it's also like, look, we all go through the, you know, through the, excuse my language, through the shit like that happens. Um, and, you know, I'm going to take you through this journey and I'm going to force you to be in the perspective of a character. Right. And so to me, if there's no hope for that character, not even a glimmer, then I don't know. Like that means that there's no hope for me. And so I, I can't live in that space. And like this book starts at a place of no hope. And I, I remember like the art is also very dark. Like everything is literally just very dark. And I was like, am I going to make it? Like, <laughs> am I going to be able to do it? But what it does is it shows you, and, and this isn't really a spoiler because um, it's more thematic, but it shows you this woman who truly is at the bottom of despair. There is no further level down that she can go. And she crawls her way back up through all of this really nightmarish stuff that happens to her. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's to me as powerful as a cautionary tale is the tale of perseverance in horror. That's what I want. Um, and you see that too, like some of the, the best horror, some of the most iconic horror is you, you start with a very elemental universal fear or monster that you have to overcome and someone does overcome it at the end. And then you get sequelitis, you have to bring it back in the next, you know, 10 movies, but, but you, you overcome that fear. You find a strength you didn't know you had, you find a perseverance, you find a will to survive. You find the ability to overcome a fear that has been ruling you. Um, you know, going back to Halloween, going back to, yeah. you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, it's all there, you know, Dawn of the Dead. Like there is, there is a sense of, of overcoming um, in there. And that's the payoff is that the, the, the moral of the story is usually you do not have to let yourself be ruled by fear. You can overcome it. And that's and, and really cool. That's kind of exactly why I wanted to reread this. Um, we're all having a real hard year. <laughs> It's true. Everyone on the planet is having a real hard year. Um, and it is, it is, it is spooky, scary skeleton season, you know, like that's just what it is. And, you know, it's been really hard for me to engage with horror in the last six mm -hmm. plus months because I just, it's, it's rough. Um, and I remember, more. exactly. I, I do need a little escapism, but one of the things, right. uh, there were two things about this that I really wanted to kind of re-experience and one of them is that right like this perseverance idea um and starting from the despair right, right. like i think with, with classic things like halloween classic not that long ago but <laughs> the classic. or or even like let's go back to universal monster stuff right where sure. like, the horror is representing like suppression of sexuality or whatever mm -hmm. um you don't start in the despair no you, you see the innocence and the shining or whatever and then you mm -hmm then you chop it down and then you have to fight. Whereas the fury starts in this really, really painful place. And I think that they do a very good job of, of immediately placing you in there. Like it's all believable, but not just that. Like I think that the way that they tell the story, you are aligned with the character immediately. And you're like, yes, I'm experiencing truly the worst thing that I can experience. Um, and two, you know, you don't really see a lot of horror from the perspective of, of mothers. You just True. don't. 
um, you get a lot of kids, a lot of teens, and then uh, sometimes uh, really cool, gnarly old people, which is great. <laughs> but you don't like, you know, and they're and they're very rarely mothers when they are these these you know older people. Um, the new Halloween aside, right? That was great. Sure. <laughs> I thought that was a really interesting aspect of it. Um, but this is a story that is about a mother, and it is, uh, you know, that aspect of her is not the only aspect of her, but that is at the center of her despair and at the center mm. of this horror story. And I thought that that was really interesting, and I thought that it was done really well, surprisingly well, because it was done by a bunch of dudes. <laughs> and I, I actually, I want to give a shout out because Mike Carey also wrote the Lucifer series. Um, for he, for several years, he also uh, wrote one of my favorite horror movies of the last ten years, uh, and in the book, uh, "The Girl with All the Gifts." Really, that he wrote the him. book, and then I believe he also was involved with the screenplay. If he didn't actually write the screenplay, I think he wrote both. I think it was like a two thousand one Odyssey like situation where he was doing both at once. But Good for him, yeah, he's. I was shocked. Oh, shots. <laughs> it's so good. The book is very, very good. And then the movie uh, is like next level. Um, so, I, but it goes back like, it's what he does. He's good at what he does. Um, and if you're a DC person, there's a bunch of background DC characters in this. Wonder Woman's in it for like a hot second. Like there's just put in the background in the way that like the game and universe work. Oh, yeah. Um, so I would like to, as we, as we wrap up, because there's a question that I want to ask, but before I ask that question, um, I would like us to just, um, if we could highlight what we've talked about. So V, we started out with Infidel. Um, so if you want to hold that up so that our Twitch followers can see us. So that's what we started with. So good, absolutely amazing, wonderful, lovely. Very scary, like Very straight scary. up scary. <laughs> yeah, not for children, not no. for children. Um, we moved from Infidel to a book that could be for children, which is Dead Boy Detectives, um, that okay. Josh right. and I both read on devices. So I'm not going to turn on my device and show it because I want you to support your local comic book store. Um, and then we moved from there into Matthew. I'm going to have you show Afterlife with Archie while I show Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Not for children. Um, Neither of these are for children. Not, no, 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 not no, no. Um, yeah. If you're picking uh, up Sabrina or Archie, thinking that you're going to relive your 1950s life, mm, uh, no, 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 no. But they no. are very, very good. Yeah, <laughs> very. But they are very unfinished, good. and I think that we didn't touch on that enough. Uh, yeah. Both of them. Both of them are, are in the middle of a storyline, and they will. Never both of them are so <laughs> worth the read. It's they just wonderful. It. If you want to see, if you want, if you really want to be scared. Pick them up. You'll love and them. And or grossed out. Well, you know. It's a little... And yeah. Want, yeah. want another impetus to hug your dog just that much closer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then from there, we moved into um, Sandman Endless Nights, um, mm -hmm. which also, again, was read electronically, so we don't have the cover to show you. I don't think I have it on my bookshelf, but... Um, and then we... Sandman presents the Furies. Yes, which is wonderful. <laughs> Want to give a shout out to all of the amazing writers that we talked about. So uh, let me say, Neil Gaiman, Mike Carey, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. I'm sorry, I butchered your name. 
Um, B, you want to try to pronounce the, the person who wrote Infidel because I'm going to butcher it again. I'm so bad at the last name. I apologize. Okay. I'm very bad at pronouncing words that I haven't heard out loud. Out loud. Um, yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's Pashate. That's how it's spelled. Yes. So that's how it's that's what we're going to go um, with for right Campbell now. Campbell is the artist. Um, yes, so and wanna, we, we absolutely should give a shout out to the artists. All too. the artists, absolutely. Yeah. We want to give oh a shout gosh. out to all the artists. Uh, Roberto, uh, Robert Hack, um, uh, 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 Frank, Francesco Francavilla. Francesco Francavilla um, Master. Let's see. Uh, John I mean, endless, endless okay. nights is P. Craig Russell, Milo Minara, uh, Mixedano oh, right. Prado, um, Dave McKean, Bill Sinkevich, Glenn Fabry, yeah. Frank Whiteley. That's all endless nights. What an all-star cast there. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Just amazing. And uh, I left out Dead Boy Detective. So I'm going to literally look that up right now while I am um, just desperately stalling for time. Uh, Toby Litt and Mark Buckingham. Um, Mark Buckingham, just so everybody knows, to tie into a previous Comics Corner, is the um, the main artist on the Fables series, which we talked about on our last Comics Corner um, with Elizabeth. I don't even think it's out yet. Oh, it's not out yet. Well, it'll I mean, be out soon. John's <laughs> Comics Corner. Yeah. It'll be out soon. Um, just play the John's soon. Comics over and over um so i do want to wrap up with one with with a question um and josh i'm going to start with you um okay. so we all recommended a lot of horror books mm -hmm. what are what is the one horror book that we you did not recommend or that we did not talk about that you also want to recommend novel or graphic Ooh. Ooh. oh i oh. wish i had known this beforehand so oh, i could have prepared yeah. a little more oh. now i'm like but looking I around. Yeah, now it's oh. now it's a little Oh, and the reason uh, I didn't tell you is because I'm evil. My go-to horror um, novel or like story is The Yellow Wallpaper. Oh, good mm. stuff. I good. can't even remember who wrote good. that. No, I'm blanking on that. Yellow Wallpaper, uh, always recommend. Uh, if you want a Shit. good horror movie, I, like Gilman, I think. Did I get that right? I think I got that right. I yeah. Think so. um, the movie that broke me of being show. creeped out by media was the movie Tusk. If you've seen that, that will just <laughs> that that just that did it. I I don't get creeped out by things anymore. Um, and then ooh, comic book. Honestly, just go read all of Sandman. It's so good. It's so weird. <laughs> okay. okay. I have See? two. Uh, okay. so for stories, um. There uh, is a story called The Quiet Boy, mm. uh, and that is what the movie Antlers is based on, and the story is free online, and it is, uh, what is the name of the author? Nick and Tosca, and it is very scary, very, very scary. Good short story. I like a good short story, a good scary short story. Um, and for comics, uh, Uzumaki uh, is, it's a manga, but uh, that's a comic. And it it made me scared of spirals, just just the shape of a spiral. Like I it, see them now, and I'm like, this is bad. This, <laughs> this is, is bad. scary. Bad news, uh, so Uzumaki. Um, anything by Jinji Ito is going to be terrifying. Uh, so it's just anything by Jinji Ito. Yeah, Matthew. I mean, uh, V took my Jinji Ito, but oh, I will no. I will pivot. I will pivot and say uh, Fatal by. 
Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, which is a uh, sort of Lovecraftian horror noir, which is a genre that does not get mashed up enough, in my opinion. Um, oh. It is uh, the the artwork in there is so evocative, and the storytelling is so brutal. Um, and it's a five book series. It's a five graphic novel series. You can find all the issues were collected. Um, I would almost recommend you start with book three, which is a phenomenal mm. kind of history. Yes. Um, that is that I, I always tell people to read first, but definitely so check it out. Fatal, um, you will not regret it. I promise. Can I jump back in and do one more book? Actually, Go sorry, it. it's spooky season. It's my favorite spooky. season. <laughs> uh, so the Ballad of Black Tom uh, by Victor Laval is also Lovecraftian horror. It takes place in Harlem during the Harlem Renaissance, I believe. It follows a young black man who is a confidence man who gets himself into some cosmic horror trouble. Um, it is a phenomenal book, and it is a short one. It's a novella, so you know you can literally sit down on Halloween and just read it in one shot. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, for novels, I am going to go old school, and I am going to recommend Rosemary's Baby. Um, Ooh, it's a yes. classic. Uh, it's one of those, I think we've, I think we've kind of forgotten about, um, just because we sort of like, it's not about where you end up with that book. Oh, so <laughs> well, well played. Yeah. Well played. It's not about where you end up. It's about how you get there. And man, is that book creepy. Um, really, really, really creepy. Um, and um, I am also going to claim two choices for graphic novel. I'm going to sort of, first one I'm going to base in superhero land, which is Batman Black Mirror. Imagine Batman in Silence of the Lambs. I, there's so much reflection of light. Oh, it's coming from my head. That's why. Um, <laughs> Batman Black Mirror. Um, imagine Batman in Silence of the Lambs. This book is wonderful. Um, Scott Snyder and Jock, who did Witches, which is a book that we talked about on a Comics Corner, which is out, and I know because I've listened to it. Um, yes. So they are also here. This is also um, also art by uh, Francesco Francavia, who did Afterlife with Archie. Um, and then the second one that I'm going to give is actually kid friendly. Um, it is not horror so much it is as it is just a really creepy feeling, which is Gotham Academy. Um, Ooh, good choice. I Good choice. Well, I show my John. age when I describe this book by saying it's like that 50s horror movie where nothing is, it's like Carnival of Souls, where nothing really bad is happening, but you're just like deeply unsettled. And then um, uh, Juan Pablo, who we used to work with at Forbidden Planet, Matthew and, and B, actually, I think B, you might have been gone by that point, but I know Matthew and no, I, I worked, worked with Juan Pablo. Pablo. Oh, you worked I with Pablo? Worked okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, yes, he always used to tell me, John, your references are too old. Just tell them it's like the it's like a horror version of the Breakfast Club. I was like, thanks. Perfect. Um, so that's, anyway, that's a great, recommendation. That's a well great done, pitch. Pablo. Yeah, that's funny. Well done, Pablo. Pablo yes. gets a shout out. I know. <laughs> we love him. Love you, Pobs. So anyway, okay. So um, so those are our also recommendations. Again, we do want to point out: go into your local comic shop. Um, if you uh, are like anything that we've talked about tonight isn't maybe your cup of tea, but you want some good horror, ask any of the booksellers who are there. That is, I guarantee you, if you ask any 
comic book worker what their favorite thing is, they're going to tell you they love recommending books to people. Ask them, ask them, ask them. Support your local comic book store. Um, go on to Comic Shop Locator if you're not sure if there's one near you. Um, or you can tweet us at the Superhero Podcast, um, and either Matthew or myself will let you know of a store in your area. Um, or use 28pages.com, I believe. I can double check. That is a database of over 650 shops. Uh, that also do things like uh, deliver or uh, ship as well. Oh, excellent. Always a good time. Uh, always a good thing in this Yeah, 28pageslater.com. Honestly, for pages having later. done okay. shipping for a bookstore for a while, it was my favorite job to do when I finally got put on shipping orders with people. So go give somebody the time of their life by not having, yes. by getting to go ship things. <laughs> <laughs> building boxes, man. I love building boxes. Yeah, the other cool thing, though, is, John, how can they get their own personal John's Comics Corner? Mm. Matthew, that is an excellent question. Well, if you support us on Patreon at the $10 level, uh, you can actually get your own personalized list of comic books from me. Um, I will say, I don't want to brag, but I will say that for Comics Corner, I'm batting the thousand. That's the right metaphor, isn't it? I think that's the right metaphor. You got it. Okay, you I got, got it. it. I got you it. Know. Good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, three for three. I'm so lucky um, in that everybody um, that uh, I've recommended something to, they have really loved it. So um, yeah. And again, that's why I worked in a comic book store. It's why I worked in a bookstore. It's why I managed a bookstore so I could get to recommend books because I love to read. Um, so. Please join our, our Patreon. Uh, don't sue us, please. Um, that is how you can find us on all of the platforms. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Um, Matthew, do you want to tell us what dropped on uh, Don't Sue Us, Please, our last episode, so you can uh, share that with so everybody? Tomorrow, uh, tomorrow and, and in fact, actually, if you were a Patreon subscriber, you will get it earlier than everyone else because that's one of the yeah. benefits of subscribing to uh, you Patreon. Have it now. Yeah. You have it now, literally in your inbox, waiting yeah. for you. Uh, but you will find uh, part two of two of The Question Sins Remembered, which is a fantastic superhero noir uh, that I was had the privilege to uh, put pen to paper. And then uh, Josh and the wonderful Kelly Monroe Johnston uh, are producer and resident director for the show, uh, put together an incredible group of actors, including Alfredo Narciso, Heidi Armbruster. And uh, if you want a phenomenal respite for an hour of your time this 2020, this is a great escapism. If you like crime, if you like noir, if you like a little touch of thriller, uh, and like you want it mixed in with, thank you, with, with a bit of like superhero 80s vibe to it as well. Uh, the first episode is live and available for free on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Google Play, um, and wherever podcasts can be gotten. And if yes. you're listening to this, when we release it onto the, the rest of the interwebs where we're not streaming it, it's already out. So you can go and listen to it. You can go listen to the entire thing. It's two episodes, one hour. You will not regret it. Uh, it's perfect. Yes. So uh, just to wrap up, follow us on all platforms at at the Superhero Podcast. Um, and when you are listening to us, don't forget, there's open, buds in. Don't sue us, please. <laughs> Thank you, Vita. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for Thank joining you. us.